0: Of Joshua, we're going to be in chapter three, verses one to thirteen. If you have your Bible, and those of you online, just go ahead and take out your Bible and enjoy this as well. Uh, we are going to be talking about faith, and how many know that faith has to be forward and not backward. We got to look forward to the things that God has told us. The book of Joshua is a book about the victory of faith and about the glory that comes to God when His people trust. And obey. We bring God great glory. British Prime Minister Benjamin Disraeli once said this the world was never conquered by intrigue, it was conquered by faith. Wow, that's an incredible statement. In the Christian life, you're either an overcomer or you're overcome, a victor or a victim. I might ask you tonight, which one would you want to be? Do you want to be an overcomer or overcome, a victor or a victim? I want to be victorious. How about you? And how many know through Jesus Christ we have the victory? We are victorious. It's sometimes we've got to get it in our, our mind. We've got to get it in our head. We've got to get it in our habits. We've got to get it into our life and reality, the way we live our life. We need to live as an overcomer. After all, God didn't save us to make statues out of us and put us on exhibition He saved us to make soldiers out of us and to move us forward by faith to claim our rich inheritance in Jesus Christ. How many feel like a soldier for Jesus Christ? Amen. we got an army in this place. Man, we got an army. What could we do for the Lord Jesus Christ? Just us in this very room and those who are watching online, what could we do for the Lord as soldiers in his army? Moses said it precisely in Deuteronomy 6, 23. He said this, he brought us out that he might bring us in. So God has to take us out of slavery, take us out of oppression. What? To bring us in to the promised land, to bring us in to the blessing and the things that he has promised us. Unbelief says this. It says, let's go back to where it is safe. You know, there were some people, believe unbelievably, in the Exodus that wanted to do that. Those were the ones at the back of the line. Those were the ones that were furthest away from Moses, furthest away from the leaders, furthest away from those that were looking ahead, and they were in the back. And they all started to grumble and complain. They wanted to go back to where they were comfortable. Even though they were slaves, it was familiar. They wanted to go back. That's what unbelief says. Let's go back. Faith says, let's go on. Let's go on to where God is actively working. How many know that God is actively working ahead, right? The past is the past. It's already back there. Someone once said, you've got to leave your behind in the past. Does that make sense? <laughs> All right. In other words, you've got to walk forward, not walk backwards. So keep moving ahead. As spies 40 years prior to Joshua chapter 3, Joshua and Caleb had come back with an assuring report that it was possible to take the land. They went in, they saw the incredible strongholds, they saw the power of the enemy, but that did not deter Joshua and Caleb. I believe they saw with the eyes of the Lord. They said, you know, with God, all things are possible. You know what, we, we could do this. And they came back with a, a report that said, you know what, guys, it, it looks tough, it, it has all that, but, but we can do this. It was positive. But what happened? The nation was afraid. The nation became afraid. They believed the other spies. They didn't want to take the word of Joshua and Caleb. And they decided, no. And it cost them 40 years. They wasted 40 years because of their unbelief. They had to go around and wander the desert. That's what God said. It's going to cost you 40 years. And that's what took place. May we never be so afraid of a challenge, CFA that we put off what could be possible. Oh, just start to think about that. What could be possible? And let's not waste the years. There's so many things out there that we could think about and see that could distract us or deter us from the mission that God has given to us. You may have been praying for family members or Speaking to neighbors for years and years on end and you don't see any difference being made and you look around at the news and the world and you see that, man, this place is a mess, isn't it? That we just look around and we see so many people that are so far from God, people that don't want anything to do with God. Even worse, it's convoluted. People that claim to be followers but don't follow. How could you follow? How could you be a follower of Christ and not follow? How many understand the template is, if you want to follow me, then you've got to be like me, right? As Jesus is like, you want to be called a Christian, you've got to be like me. But so many people don't get that. They want to say they're a Christian, but they don't follow. They don't follow. And we look around, we think, oh, it's a mess. But I want to tell you something. When the Lord looks out, he looks out and he sees a harvest that's ready. He looks out and he sees that there are possibilities. He looks out and says that if you would just get the gospel into the field and let the gospel do what it does, people will get a hold of it. Because God sees people that are desperate. God sees people that need him. God loves them. And guess what? God is the greatest roadblock to hell. Our God sets up roadblocks to hell in our life. we want to go to hell, I once heard a preacher say that we got to work really hard to go to hell. Because our God loves us so much. He just puts up roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And how does he do that? He does that through people like you and me. People like you and me who are willing to share our testimony. People that are t- willing to share our faith. That we're willing to tell people about Jesus and what he's done for us. Just to tell our simple story that it can make a difference in someone else's life. That's all God's expecting from us. So instead of giving up, going, oh, they'll never change. This world will be the, It's just going to be the same. It's just not going to make any difference. Instead of... Being like that, saying it's impossible. all oh, those strongholds are too big. Oh, uh, those those Canaanites, oh, they're scary. Instead, why don't we begin to say there's possibility. We could do this. We could do this. And let's not waste 40 years. We Christians are so diverse in our backgrounds and perspectives, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, aren't we? We're so diverse. Not, we're, there's no two people the same. We're so diverse in the way that we do things. But one thing we must have in common is this. We must all believe God's promises. And we need to do exactly what he tells us to do. We must be people of faith and believe God's word. Can we agree on that? I can tell you what, we may not agree on politics. We're not going to agree on on, uh, maybe even some of the ways that we we raise families. We're not going to agree sometimes on, on just the minutia of things. The way we have a perspective and an outlook. But we can't agree that God's word is God's word and that we can believe it and that we can be obedient to it. Amen? So let's agree to that. Remember, the Lord never changes. And the nature of faith never changes. God help us if we change and stop believing the promises of God by faith. Paul gives us a sobering reminder and warning in Hebrews 3, 16 and 19. He says this. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose body fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter, here's the key, because of unbelief. Unbelief. I I believe sin, uh, the sin of unbelief, that's the unpardonable one. Ultimately, to not believe is to not accept God. And you can't have eternal life unless you believe and you accept Jesus Christ. Unbelief will sabotage God's desires for us and lead to wasted years tonight Let the Lord reaffirm your faith your belief in the word of God and his promises Ask the Holy Spirit to quicken you and give you a mind of faith and obedience In Joshua chapter 3 and 4 God illustrates for us three essentials for moving ahead by faith and claiming all that he has for us He mentions these three things the word of faith the walk of faith, and the witness of faith. Tonight, I'm going to deal with the first one, the word of faith. So in your Bible, Joshua 3, verses 1 to 13. You've had plenty of time to get there, so I'm going to dive right in. All right, it says this. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. We know why. We've all seen Indiana Jones, right? Never mind. Verse 5. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, Lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, Today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites ahead of you. Look. The Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream, and the river will stand up like a wall. Yeah, this is a great story. This is a great story to build our faith. I want my faith built up tonight. How many, how many want to, you want to believe like you've never believed before in the promises of God? Amen? That God can do the miraculous, that God can still do miracles today, that God can still save people, that God can still heal people, that God can still fill people and call people, that God can do cr- crazy good things. I believe that. And I want my faith built up tonight, so that's what I'm looking for in this message. It has been well said that faith is not believing in spite of evidence, but obeying in spite of consequence. Man, that is worth repeating. Let me let me say it again. Faith is not believing in spite of evidence, but obeying in spite of consequence. I love this. I, I had a, when I was in youth ministry. it was a great a great. Preacher, leader of youth called Josh McDowell. I don't know if I remember Josh McDowell, man. But he had a great series for youth teaching called Don't Check Your Brains at the Door. I love that. Our God is not a God who asks us to check our brain at the door, right? He's a God. He created science, for crying out loud, right? Our God created all these laws. Our God did all these things. So it's not that he's asking us to believe without any evidence. I mean, the evidence is all around. But God is saying faith is not believing in spite of the evidence. In other words, it's not foolishness. He doesn't say just go in the dark blindly. There is reasons why we can believe our God is real and that we can trust him he's proven himself over and over again okay and so uh, but i like that obeying in spite of consequence now that takes courage because we know that if we do certain things we're going to have certain ramifications there're going to be certain people who are going to hate us there're going to be certain people they're going to try to try to cancel us you know there're going to be certain people they're going to do things to make our life miserable then when you get fired you might something might happen okay Because of your faith and beliefs. But you know, in spite of consequence, I will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. No matter what everybody else is doing, we're going to serve God. Because he's real. Amen. And I believe. All the great people of faith listed in Hebrews 11 were great. Why? Because they took action. Because they believed when God spoke. That's why they're great. They took action. It's what pastor is talking about sending his message about being a follower of christ. You don't become a follower of christ Until you hear the word and do something about it It's action that makes you a disciple that makes you a follower That's what the word disciple really means when it comes down to it It means follower. It means you got to go you got to Act you have to follow you have to imitate you have to become like that's a follower and so We've got to put our faith into actions. Romans 10, 17 says this. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. God's word is very clear. It's not just hearing anything. It's not just hearing pithy sayings or old Proverbs or something. You know, the world's got a lot of those. Just Google it. You'll find all kinds of quotes and nice sayings and things. God's saying it's, it's hearing the word of God that brings faith. God's word is like unlike any other book. It's, it's real. Amen, it's it's living. It's active. It's the word of God. It's God's word to us so we can count on it It'll never change God remains the same What actions do you need to take because of the things that you are hearing God say? Are you hearing God say things? I think that's one of pastors favorite things to ask people. What is God saying to you? You know put you right on the spot Uh, You know, but what is God saying? Is he saying things to you? What is God saying and then if God's saying things to you? What action do you need to take? Want to be like the greats in the book of Hebrews? Then you've got to take action for the things that God is saying to you. Do you need to put aside your own desires in order to serve someone else first? Maybe God's saying that. Do you need to stop arguing and getting angry and submit yourself to the control of the Holy Spirit? Do you need to start keeping your promises? Do you need to start praising the Lord and giving thanks in all circumstances? Do you need to make your request known to God? When people don't do that, they make the request known to all the human beings they know, right? And they ask their boss for the raise and they do all these other things, but they never make the request known to God. God's the last person they go to on the list. Do you need to start practicing generosity or putting God first in your finances? Do you need to step out boldly and share your faith with that coworker, that neighbor, that family member? See, these questions could go on and on. I don't know what God is saying to you personally, but God is speaking to you. What is he saying and what action do you need to take? When you hear God's word, are you then motivated to obey and take action on the things that you are hearing? If your faith is alive, then you'll take action. If it's dead, you won't. It's either alive or dead. Which is it? Living faith always leads to action. Hmm. In our text, we see five messages or words from the Lord that give us the roadmap for becoming victorious people of faith. The one is this. God said to move out and follow. We see that in verses 1 to 4. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove, arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions. You can underline that. Highlight that. Move out from your positions and follow them. Follow them. So move out and follow. Joshua was an early riser. As was Moses, his example, and David and Hezekiah and Jesus Christ himself, all these were early risers, they got up early in the day. they desired communion with God above anything else. It wasn 't because they just liked to get up early before everybody else it's because they had to get up to commune with God. Oh, I got to talk to the Lord. He woke me up, the sun came up again another day i 'm alive i 'm breathing. I got to talk to my creator. I have to commune with God. And that's why they get up that way. Faith is nurtured by spending time in prayer in the Word. It is the primary way that we hear from God. Some are like, I don't know if I haven't heard from God. I, I don't know what to do. I'm so confused. Listen, spend time with God. Get up first thing and commune with the Lord. Get in His Word. Begin to pray. God will speak to you. And God will begin to pour himself into you, and your faith will be nurtured. You'll begin to believe. You'll begin to trust. You'll begin to just not even doubt the promises of God. You'll begin to say, okay, I believe this. I believe this is going to happen. Lord, I'm trusting you today. Acts 6, 4 says this. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Now, this context here was that they were talking about ministry, food ministries, right? The apostles were spending so much time with food ministries and trying to distribute things that it's like, it, 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 they love to do that they love to serve the people, but they said there's got to be a better way We need to get people involved in the ministry. Thank God for Kathy gazelle She's doing our food bank and food pantry, you know Thank you for that that way We have an opportunity to spend time in teaching the word and and getting t- in prayer to teach people about what God is saying so uh, That's important as always the journey to becoming a victorious person of great faith Starts with action move out and follow. I'm so grateful that the word of the Lord came to a man named Sonny Tracy, on June 19th, 1988, and that he obeyed. When the pastor gave an invitation to accept Jesus Christ, the Lord told him to come down the aisle of the church and say to me, come on, son, it's time. I heard those words, and I stood to my feet, and I began to move out. I had to move out. And I don't regret that move because that's the day that I met the Lord Jesus Christ as a 15-year-old teenager. But if it hadn't been for Uncle Sonny sitting on that back pew and listening to the pastor's call and that invitation, then hearing the Holy Spirit tell him in an unusual – I mean, that was unusual. I didn't really see him doing that. It wasn't like every Sunday he's calling out a new kid, you know, and coming down to the altar, you know. I'd never seen him do that. In fact, Uncle Sonny was a sleeper and a snorer during church. All right, he was one of the guys, he sat on the back pew. He'd known Pastor Sullivan for years. Pastor Sullivan was silver-haired and, you know, uh, we won't go there. All right, so anyway, but Pastor Sullivan was back there and, and uh, hey, at least you got hair. And we could say you have none, <laughs> All right, but, but, but Sonny, Uncle Sonny would be back there snoring, you know, through the Old Testament preaching and everything. Just, and everybody always laughed. There's Uncle Sonny, he's sleeping again on the back pew. But not that morning. He heard the Lord and he obeyed. He'd been watching me six months in the church without giving my life to Christ and saw me there and God spoke to his heart and said, it's time, son. And I was like, okay. Maybe God's going to use you like that. If you just listen to God, maybe God will use you. And then you've got to be willing to obey that prompting and God will use you. (laughs) I'm so happy he obeyed because I'm here. I'm here. God calls us to move out. And he goes before us. The ark is mentioned 16 times in chapters 3 and 4. It's called the ark of the covenant 10 times. The ark of the Lord three times. And simply the ark three times. It was the throne of God. The place where his glory rested in the tabernacle. And God sat enthroned between the cherubim. The law of God was kept in the ark. A reminder of God's covenant with Israel. And the blood of the sacrifices was sprinkled on the mercy seat. On the annual day of atonement. That ark went before the people. And that was an encouragement to their faith when they saw that art going ahead. It was God was going ahead of them. It was it was such an encouragement. It, it meant that God was going ahead and opening up the way God had promised Moses in Exodus 33:14, 14. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Man get, Jesus has given us these same promises for us today. He goes with us. He is here. His spirit lives in us. Hello. That's exciting. When the nation had marched through the wilderness, the ark had gone before them in Numbers 10.33. Moses would say, Pastor, he would say this. Rise up, O Lord. May your enemies be scattered. May your foes flee before you. Wow. I just thought you would love that. Rise up. On that occasion, the presence of the ark was a guarantee of the presence of the Lord. Whew, man. How many know we have a guarantee of the presence of the Lord? It's called the deposit of the Holy Spirit in our life. Amen? God's Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's powerful. And we got to believe that. We may not always be familiar with the paths that lie ahead of us, but what we can see may be very scary, but our God goes before us. Who needs to move out and who needs to follow? The Lord Jesus Christ. The second word is is this. It found in verse five. It says, Then Joshua told the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Purify. So move out and follow and purify. This instruction came with a promise of great wonders. That sounds like God loves surprises. Right? He didn't tell him exactly that at that point. But God is going to do great wonders among you. It's important to note that when we obey God's instructions, we're not earning God's promises. We are preparing our hearts to receive God's promises. So when you obey what God is saying, you're not earning the promise. What you're doing is preparing your heart to receive the promise. God has promised. This, this too, is a a great definition of faith. The Lord just sort of gave this to me here. I didn't copy this anywhere. But it says, faith is preparing the heart to receive God's promise. That's faith. I'm preparing my heart. I believe. I'll make this statement because I'm preparing my heart to receive it because I believe it. That's faith. When the Israelites would purify or sanctify themselves, they would bathe, change their clothes. Since water was a luxury for most people in the ancient world, uh, reserved mostly for drinking, okay, this act would be a full dedication and commitment. In the Bible, the imagery of washing one's body and changing clothes symbolized making a new beginning with the Lord. Since sin is pictured as defilement, God has to cleanse us before we can truly follow him. When Jacob made a new beginning with the Lord and returned to Bethel, he and his family washed themselves and changed their garments in Genesis 35. After King David confessed his sin, what did he do? He bathed, he changed clothes, and he worshipped the Lord in 2 Samuel chapter 2 or 12. This imagery is carried over into the New Testament. You see, listen to the words of Colossians chapter 3 verses 8 and 10. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So in the New Testament, we get this idea of stripping off the old garments. You know, you've cleansed of your sins. Take off the old garments, your old sinful ways, and put on righteousness, your new garments, to be like Christ Jesus. What do you need to do to purify yourself tonight? Remember, you are preparing your heart to receive God's promises. I can't get into your dirty laundry. I don't know all your secrets. How many know, none of us truly know each other fully, 100%, right? Because there are so many things that we deal with. But I do know this. We all need to cleanse. We all need to purify. We all need to come and depend on Jesus every single day and say, Lord, purify my heart. Oh, make me like gold. Amen. Lord, do this. And so I'm praying that you hear from the Lord. For the Israelites, he was about to open the Jordan River. And take them into the promised land, defeat their enemies, and give them their inheritance. Imagine what he's about to do in your life. you're there watching. imagine what he's about to do in your life. Purify yourself, get your heart ready for the wonders of God. The third thing is that God told the priest to lead the people. We could see that in verse six where he tells them uh, tells Joshua. And Joshua calls to the priest and he says, lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. Lead the people. Now, in case you're thinking, oh, I'm off the hook. I'm no priest. This only applies to the pastoral staff or the church board, but not me. Think again, all right? Unless you're a slave to sin and not a slave to righteousness, then you are a member of the twice born you are what St. Peter called a member of the royal priesthood. You're peculiar, yes. Someone look at your neighbor and say, You're really peculiar. Yeah, 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 all right. But you're peculiar, but you are called and commissioned by God. You are a priest. You have the authority of Jesus Christ to do what he has commanded, he has commissioned you. The miracles that God wants to do are not just so that you and I can feel good and celebrate among ourselves. Our God wants to do wonders so that all people everywhere take notice. How many wanna, what, want people to take notice what God is doing? But someone has to get their feet wet before God begins a miracle. He's calling the priest to do that job. He's calling you and I who sit as the members of the twice-born, the royal priesthood, to get wet. we got to get in the river. We've got to lead the way. We've got to show the world around us, our family members, our coworkers, workers our friends, the people in our neighborhoods. We've got to show them. We've got to get our feet wet. We really are Christian. We really are following Christ. Okay? So this is huge responsibility. God is calling us to live our faith out loud in front of the whole world. He's calling us to be bold and have bold obedience in spite of danger and risk. It's got to take bold Christians, courageous Christians, to obey the Lord in spite of consequence. The priests could easily have drowned in the Jordan. What was God asking them to do? Oh, my goodness. They could have drowned. Their very life was in danger, what God was asking them to do, right? Right? He was asking them to have faith and courage and trust in his faithful word. Okay, this one might challenge you more than you realize, but when you're going to lead like a priest, when are you going to stop acting like a coward? You're going to lead like a priest or act like a coward. You're either going to be victorious or you're going to be a victim. You're going to be a statue or you're going to be a soldier. What are you going to do? I want to be that soldier. I pray that I can be that soldier. I pray that I can be that priest that is willing to get wet. The scripture says that the priests started out and they went ahead. The philosopher Plato once said this, the beginning is half of every work. To begin is the hardest step. And I want to challenge you tonight that it's time to repent. It's time to ask God for courage. Challenge your excuses. Start focusing on your character so that you can build trust with the people around you. Trust makes leadership possible. And when there's trust, you can operate in your highest potential and increase your effectiveness. But you can lead. And you can go out ahead. And you can get your feet wet. But do the work of repenting first. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for being such a coward. Make me a person of faith and courage. The fourth thing is God said, give this command to Joshua. Verses 7 and 8. The Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests. You know, so when we're able to accurately reflect the commands of the Lord, respect and honor will come to us. Not because the commands are ours, but because they are God's. And his commands always lead to promises fulfilled. Think about that. When man gets up and makes promises and says things, it may not lead to respect and honor because we may not fulfill the promises. But when we speak and accurately reflect the promises of God, it will bring honor and respect to those who speak those words, not because they're theirs, but because they were God's. And God's word never fails. God's word always works. You know what that tells me? That tells me the importance of knowing God's word. Man, if I want to be an effective leader, then I need to know his word. Because it's not going to be my words that's going to command respect and honor. It's going to be the word of the Lord that is going to do it. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of hearing about fallen saints sometimes. I just, it, it just, with each new fallen saint, and the latest one was Ravi Zacharias, to hear, what, even though he's dead, the things that came out in his own organization, researched it and said, no, those things were true. I'm just like, oh my goodness, he was the greatest Christian apologist I've, in the modern day. A very intelligent man, but the sins that nobody knew about was incredible. And it just makes you one more time go, don't put man up on a pedestal. Just don't do it. It's not about a man and his words. It's about God and his word. So it's not that we can't follow people. Just make sure you follow them as they follow Christ. Amen? That's what Paul said, and he wasn't a perfect man. But follow me as I follow Christ. So it's just something. We need the word of the Lord in us. There are too many people who are speaking on behalf of God that are doing more damage and harm to their own reputation than they actually realize. Not necessarily in their circle of influence, but in the larger world around them. Modern day self-proclaimed prophets often say things and predict things that never come to pass. And oftentimes what they say doesn't even line up with scripture to begin with. This is a problem. Especially right now. It seems like the prophets are on steroids. I mean, we hear them all over the place. But a lot of things that are being said, Christian, be careful. Because a lot of things are not even based on God's word. There may be a hint of truth. But there's a lot of things that are way off the mark. You need to know God's word. And these folks, they won't have honor and respect in the end. Because it's not God's word. It won't happen. And we need to be careful that in our lives. That what we say that lines up with God's word. Instead of calling them false prophets and holding them accountable. Too often, Christians in their circles continue to look at them for a word of faith. They keep believing them. Oh, they were practicing prop. You can't practice prophecy. Either you heard from God or not. You can't just claim, oh, I'm just guessing here. Maybe if it hit the mark, oh, good, it was God. If it didn't, oh, well, uh, I'll just keep prophesying, you know. No, that's not how it works. You either hear from God or not. Don't play that game. In our passage, we can see that God would build the reputation of Joshua so that the people considered him to be a great leader by giving his commands to pass on to the priests. When obedience to these commands would lead to an undeniable miracle, the people, those outside the priesthood, would know that God was with him. This would make him great in the eyes of the people, not his own slick tongue, his social media campaign, or his marketing plan. It's because if he said this, God said it's going to happen, and the people will bring honor and respect. You will gain that honor and respect, and you'll be able to lead. You're my man, because I'm going to keep talking to you, and things are still going to continue to go well. Because you're willing to listen and obey. And reiterate my words. This aspect of increasing influence I find to be extremely challenging. It puts the responsibility on our shoulders to make sure that we are hearing from God. We cannot just say whatever we want and attribute it to God. It would be better to say, I feel this or that. I feel like we should do this or that. Or I have an idea that I would like to try. Rather than saying, God told me, and now I command you. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. God's given us brains, and God's given us imaginations. There's nothing wrong with trying things, okay? Especially when God hasn't given clear direction on on something. It's okay to say, I was thinking. It's all right. Can we try this together? That's all right. That's what leaders do often. But don't just say, God told me, God said this, I command you to do this and that, when it wasn't the Lord. This is not to say that God isn't speaking, because he is. We just need to make sure that we're listening and hearing. God will increase our influence and reputation with the larger world around us when people know that God is with us. Do you know the difference between your own voice and God's voice? That's a really important question. Who's ready to listen closer? Closer. Who's ready to pass along the commandments of the Lord? And the promises of the Lord. I love what Pastor Ricosi tells us all the time. Because it's so spot on. And you can never go wrong with this. You want to hear God's voice? Read the word. (laughs) I mean hello. He's given us his voice. He's given us his word. Read the Bible. Be accurate in the scripture. God's word doesn't leave anything out. There's something in God's word to apply to your life for every situation. God's amazing that way. So read the word. And if you're willing to share the word with people, you get it right every single time. Finally, Joshua told the people to listen, to look, and to choose in verses 9 to 13. He said, Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out all the Canaanites and Hittites and Hivites and Perizzites and Girgashites and Amorites and Jebusites ahead of you. Look, the ark of the covenant which belongs, look, look, the ark of the covenant which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth will lead you across the Jordan River. Now, choose. Choose. Listen, look, choose. Joshua did not build himself up. He magnified the Lord by sharing the Lord's words with them. True spiritual leadership focuses the eyes of God's people on the Lord and his greatness. Joshua used these three action words in the passage. The first one was listen. Listen to what the Lord your God says. This leads to increased confidence and trust. Listening is one of the hardest skills to learn. Luis, you have to learn to listen very well as a psychologist helping people. But teaching people how to listen is also part of your job because this is the biggest problem in relationships. People just don't listen well. They don't. And so it's no different for any of us when we're trying to serve the Lord. If you want to really make a difference in God's kingdom, become good listeners. As a teenager, I first heard a preacher say, God gave us two ears and one mouth, and we ought to use them in that ratio. You know, (laughs) that's the first time i ever heard that. And then it's a struggle from then on to really apply that, you know, because I like to talk, (laughs) you know. But two ears, it's important to use your listening skill. And there is really a skill you can learn better to listen to what God is saying. The second thing is look ahead and not behind. Look ahead. Keep your eyes ahead on Jesus That's one of the biggest lessons of scripture that we can learn is to keep looking ahead because that's where God is moving. We are so distracted and so tempted to look back. But you know what? Doing that could cost you your very life. Just ask Lot's wife. Don't look back. Keep looking ahead. That's where God's moving. All right? Proverbs 4.25 says it this way. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. That's pretty direct from Scripture, so that's not even like a good idea here you know, in a sermon. This is from the Bible. Look ahead. Fix your eyes. And then the final word is choose tonight. Choose to include everyone. Everyone. That's what I love about this story of Joshua. Include everyone. That's where our mission statement, so that everyone can have a full life in Jesus Christ. Include everyone. God instructed them to choose a man from each tribe for a special task that he would soon reveal. We haven't read that yet. There was to be 12 men chosen in all. Some tribes, get this, some tribes were bigger than others. But every tribe would be pre- represented by one. Some had a lot more people. In a Democrat society, they'd be like, that's not fair. We've got a ton more people over here. But God said, get one man from each tribe. They're going to re- represent this thing. God wants every person to know that they are important to him. The big and the small, right? And uh, I, I, this is something God is is near dear to God's heart. His promises are for everyone, not just the most popular, not just the most numerous, not just the most powerful. No one is forgotten in God's kingdom. This country is a great country because of the people that came and and had the the the, the pioneering spirit and and and. And everything that took place and the the reason why we got to where we are, it's a great nation. But let me tell you something. God cares just as much for that isolated, unknown tribe in the jungle of Ecuador as he does for the great people of our country. He cares for every person, willing that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. No one is forgotten in God's kingdom. So tonight I want to end with that because I want us to pray. Lord, help us to listen, to look, and to choose. Help us, God, to repent of our cowardice and to be a people of faith, that we would step in the river and get wet, that we would lead the way, that we would believe and obey in spite of the consequences. Lord, we come to you tonight, God. We thank you for the challenge of the word in Joshua 3, verses 1 to 13. And God, we pray, Father, that you would teach us something from this, Lord, as we've soaked this in, may it begin to just speak to us even more right now and tonight and tomorrow and the next day, Lord, that we would become obedient to the word, that our faith would be built up, Lord, that we would take action with what you've said to us and not just let it sit there. Lord, what are you saying? Maybe we need to start with that. Just learning to listen to you, God, to hear your voice, read your word, and become obedient. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for this gathering. We thank you for those who are watching us online right now. And Lord, I pray a special prayer for each and every person here. Lord, those that are feeling that they need to be close to you, that they've been wandering a little bit, or maybe they haven't been spending the time that they should with you, God. I pray that right now that you would deal with them tenderly in their heart. Holy Spirit, as they repent of their sin, Lord, I pray, God, that you would bless them, and that you would forgive them, and that, God, you would restore them. And, Lord, instead of living with all these regrets, Lord, they just pick up the Bible now. Just begin to obey today. Right now, Lord, they could start fresh and new. I thank you for that, God. I pray those that have a tremendous need in their life right now that you would touch that need, whether it's a healing, whether it's a word that they need of encouragement in their heart, God, that you would provide that. Lord, you tell us to purify ourselves because you're about ready to do wonders. Lord, get us to that place where we expect it. Yes, Jesus, you're about to do something in Chandler, Arizona that is beyond our imagination. God, would we be the people that are willing to step into the river? Would we be the people that would be willing to obey in spite of the danger that's in front of us? Lord, help us so that we can make a difference. So that we don't have to waste 40 years. We don't have to be the doubters. We can be people of faith. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.